everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the FearCast. This is the podcast dedicated to OCD, anxiety, anxiety spectrum disorders, and getting your life back. I'm your host, Kevin Foss, and I'm a licensed clinician specializing in the treatment of OCD and anxiety disorders. Welcome, everybody, to the episode. This is a question and answer based podcast where you, the listener, get to send me, the therapist, questions about OCD and anxiety and anxiety and phobias and th- things that we can be afraid of. And um, I will read them consider them and put them up on a future episode as I am doing here on this episode. So if you have questions for a future episode, go over to fearcastpodcast.com. You can send me a question there. Um, you can also send me an audio question. Um, so, uh, you can record it through your phone, through your computer, and then either email it to me at questions at fearcastpodcast.com, or you can send it to me through a Google Drive, upload it to Google Drive or something like that, and email me the link to it at fearcastpodcast.com. And again, I will consider it and put it up on a future episode. And the recorded ones, the audio ones, will go to the top of the list, um, but... Um, so now you know, so you can send those to me. Uh, some people have also sent them over to me through Instagram, and uh, you can also do that, though I will just have a few other follow-up questions for you there just to um, uh, make sure that you are comfortable with your voice being out there, etc. But uh, those will be appreciated. So again, thank you everybody for listening uh, to the podcast. I know we're kind of getting to, we are getting to the end of the year, and um, it is just amazing to me that the podcast keeps going on. I keep getting questions, and I just thank you all for um for again continued listenership and entrusting me with uh, your questions and letting me be a part of your recovery process uh it it it, it does mean a lot to me and uh, this has been a lot of fun to do it's been challenging to do uh and um i i know things can just kind of kind of i uh, i take up a lot of time and uh, sometimes life gets a little uh, uh, uh complicated and i'm not able to record but um i i, I appreciate all of you for uh hanging in there with me so today i'm going to go through two questions just briefly and um, in my effort to try to have shorter episodes but more episodes but i'm going to be going over two questions today and um uh, seeing how they go so the first one everybody's going to be coming from anonymous anonymous says is it common to have obsessive thoughts about multiple different things i'm asking because i relate to pocd ROCD and harm, but I never see anything that says you can have these around the same time. And it makes me question when people say OCD is specific. So anonymous, thank you so much for the question. So I don't know who these people are who are saying that you can't have multiple different obsessions. You can definitely have multiple different obsessions. It is to a certain degree expected that I mean, I expect when I work with someone that I'm going to I'm going to see different subtypes or different flavors of OCD, what the ones you're talking about, POCD, ROCD and harm. Yeah, we would call those three different subtypes of OCD. Now, I should mention here as well, it's all just OCD. It's all the same stuff. It's all it's all the same thought cycle and anxiety cycle and reinforcement cycle, though the subjects are three different things, right? Pedophilia thoughts, relationships, and harm-related obsessions. So there are going to be some people out there who specialize in each of these individually or have an emphasis on one or really like working with one, um, but it doesn't mean that there are POCD specialists and then there's everybody else, or there are harm OCD specialists and then everybody else. It's that these are all just subtypes of OCD and someone who works with one of them will be able to work with all of them. And whoever these people are that says their OCD is specific, 
I don't even know what that means. I don't even know who, who's out there saying that you can only have one obsession. Um, I think that maybe someone who misunderstands what OCD is, or maybe is maybe just implying that OCD is just OCD, which to that point, I would agree. Again, it's all, it's all OCD, but about you could have different themes. And I think that's what you're asking about, have multiple different themes uh, or, or kind of genres or, you know, worlds in which your OCD focuses more than others, right? I mean, because what you're telling me is you, you, you te- your obsessions tend to focus around thoughts about pedophilia, thoughts about relationships, and thoughts about harm. It tells me that you're not particularly worried about um, your relationship with God, or meaning meaning scrupulosity. Or you're not particularly worried about contamination and washing your hands a bunch, or you're not particularly worried about health-related fears, right? So when you say that you have these subtypes, I go, great. I kind of have an idea about what you're struggling with. I'm not going to ask really about you know how much you're washing your hands or things like that because you probably aren't given these three obsessions. So. To answer your question in the very long way, anonymous, yes, you could have multiple different obsessions. And in fact, it's very, very common. Um, All right. So to the next question, the next question is going to be a little bit more involved. The question comes from Jasmine. She says, hi, Kevin, English is not my first language. They say I'm from Switzerland, but I hope you can understand me. So far, yes. Um, I'm 27 years old and suffer from POCD. I'm in therapy for a while now, and up until last night, I had the feeling that ERP was helping me so much with the intrusive thoughts. However, ever since my POCD started, which was two years ago, I've been experiencing groinal sensations. But yesterday, while doing ERP, it was very strong, even stronger than real arousal, and it felt so real. I had to stop doing the ERP because I knew I was about to orgasm if I continued. My world fell apart after that. Is it common to experience such strong feelings or even to have orgasms during ERP? Would mean the world to me if you would answer. All right, Jasmine, thank you again for that question. So, so is it common to have really, really strong feelings while doing ERP? Yes. Now there can be a there can be a wide range of emotional responses uh, when doing ERP. Some people they they do exposures, intentional exposures, and they don't feel a whole lot. Um, some people I, I do exposures and they are just overwhelmed by feeling, and sometimes it feels worse than if they were to experience it just on a day to day. So. The, the, the feeling may fluctuate, and that can be experienced, or that, that, that can be a, a typical experience. What we're ultimately doing with exposures is, is taking the, the feeling as it is. So you're exposing yourself to a concept, to a POCD-related thought, and you're experiencing physical sensations and also emotional experiences. The goal of them is, isn't to try to judge them, isn't to try to say, well, this is worse or better, or that this is safe or that this is dangerous, but to experience it as it is. And then riding that wave, knowing that that feeling will ultimately always go away, as it always has in the past. What I'm hearing in what you're talking about is there, there was an assumption about what was going to happen if you, if you kept going. I'm hearing this crystal ball reading, which is a cognitive distortion. You're saying, okay, I know for sure that if I kept going in my exposure, I would orgasm. First off, can you read the future? Jasmine, are you telling me you know what's going to happen in the future? 
if that's the case, can you tell me the lottery, the winning lottery numbers, the present, the, like the ones for this week? Because if you if you could tell me, that would be great. I would really appreciate those numbers because you're also telling me that you can tell the short-term future. So I'm not talking about like I don't need the I don't need the winning numbers for every week. I just need them for uh, today. Actually, in fact, today they they are drawn. So it, you email me, let me know. Now I know this sounds silly, and I, I'm 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 having fun with this. I apologize. Sorry, not sorry. I suppose, but anyways, it's that you because you stop yourself, you don't know. And I'm willing to bet, though, that unfortunately, this might reinforce this idea that if you feel really strong feelings, you might say, I, I definitely need to stop now because, because last time I felt these feelings, I stopped because I was certain I was going to orgasm. So it's going to create this sense of now all these feelings need to be avoided or strong feelings need to be avoided. And that's the opposite of what we're trying to do through exposure and response prevention. The goal of that, uh, the goal of that technique is to feel big feels. And in that moment, you are feeling sensations similar to or sensations of arousal. Now, what may also be going on here is something called arousal non-concordance. Now, I may be getting some of this wrong. I think historically speaking, I've tried to bring this up, and I apologize if I just butcher the concepts. Um, if you want to read more about it, you can read a, a, a book about it called Come As You Are. Well, it's not the whole book is about it. It's a chapter just related to this. Um, there's a great short article on this in Made of Millions by the the, the great and powerful Kimberly Quinlan. And, um, and in it what, it, what it ultimately talks about is, is that that sometimes we experience we, we experience sexual arousal um, through through a lot of different ways and at times that don't seem to make sense or at times that we don't want them to, but they are arousal. But at the same time, we go, well, that's not when I want to feel them. That's not when I should be feeling them or I should be experiencing it. Right, so that's where it's that's why it's called arousal non-concordance. It is not in accordance with what you would historically and traditionally want to feel, but you are feeling it. So, in a very very broad sort of way, and I'm kind of butchering this from the article that I read and and, and from Kimberly Quinlan's article and from the chapter. Um, is you can think about it is that there are these things in our, our, our brain that are, are accelerators to sexual arousal and brakes that kind of speed up arousal and slow things down. Right, you can think about them as turnoffs and tur turnoffs and turnons, um, but I think it's easier to think about them as like this speeds up the process of arousal, and these things slow them down for arousal for whatever those those may be. When we're imagining sexual things, and sometimes we think about that with POCD, our brain may experience those, experience some of that in a very broad sense as an accelerator, a speeding things up. So your brain, in a non-concordance with your own desires, may speed things up. Whereas you, your rational self, may say, no, 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 I want that. That should be slowing things down. So it can lead to a genuine sense of arousal, a physical experience of arousal. And this, this happens for both men and for women. And the, the, the systems by which things are sped up or slowed down are going to be different for men. Men, there is going to be more of a, um, more things that are consistent that will speed things up versus slowing things down, kind of more expected. And for women, the, the kind of Venn diagram is going to be a little bit off. It's, it's, it's just going to be further apart. So, 
I know I'm butchering this and I apologize uh, to everybody and um, <laughs> I, I'm just going to keep on going with it. So anyways, think about it as, as that. So in fact, to that point, I, I'm, I'm going to quote from Quinlan's article, but she also quotes various people. She says, in her book, Come As You Are, she explains that there's a 50% overlap in how erect a man's penis is and how turned on he is. For women, there is a 10% overlap between what she what, what is happening in her genitals and how much arousal she is experiencing. So there is a difference, a separation between physical arousal and acknowledging arousal, right? So what's happening in our, in our groin and what we are acknowledging as being turned on. Right. So with men, it's a 50% overlap, meaning that they might feel physical arousal, they might have an erection, but they might not say they're turned on. And by the way, it happens the other way around. They might say I'm turned on, but I'm not feel I'm not experiencing an erection. That's a 50%. With women, it's 10%. So it's further off, right? So there's going to be more of a, a mismatch between what someone may be feeling in her genitals and what she may be experiencing emotionally as turn-on. So all that to be said, what do we do about this? Jasmine, what can you do about this? Well, the, the goal in this isn't to draw this broad conclusion, which I fear that's what you were doing. You're drawing this conclusion with this feeling is intense, and here's what it means. This feeling is intense, and here's what's going to happen to me. So therefore, I need to take action to stop this thing, because oh boy, if I went over the falls, wouldn't that be awful? So we're, you're applying all this meaning to it, whereas what I want you to do is, next time if you're continuing to do your ERP, and I'd encourage you to keep doing it under the care of your therapist, is next time to just simply practice that observation. Just what am I feeling? What am I noticing? And just saying to yourself, yeah, man, I'm feeling this sensation. Yeah, this is intense. Yes, I'm having this thought. Yes, I'm having the, I, I'm having the urge to stop. And then allow that to be there. So your job, Jasmine, within your exposures is to do the exposure to the thought, to the feeling, however else your, your, your therapist or psychiatrist or, or psychologist is describing it to you. And then just to allow the sensations to be there as intensely as they are. Some days it's going to be real intense. Some days it's not going to be real intense. And you know what we're going to say to both? Ah, there it is. Cool. Fun. There's the sensation. And then we let that full exposure ride itself out, get to its peak, and then subside. And then move on with your day. However else it is. Maybe today it, it's, you know, it's, it's big. It's a nine. Maybe some days it's like a two, whatever. Maybe some days it goes to 11, and it's the most amazing, or it's not the most amazing, it's the most intense feeling you ever felt. And then you let it subside. It's not to make a mountain out of a molehill, but just to acknowledge that, yeah, that feeling is there, and then you're going to keep on going and not try to find meaning, or not try to search for meaning or apply meaning to it. So again, acceptance is going to be your best friend in this, and knowing that these things are hard, these things are, are difficult. And by the way, this is true for both men and women. If you're experiencing these things, I have so many men I work with who they're terrified. They're like, what if I do these exposures and I actually get an erection? You know what I say? I say okay, you have an erection. So what? What else is happening? They're trying to justify or explain away or find the reason for the erection or for women for the physical arousal. 
we, we don't need to search for it. Who said we needed to find an answer for it or what was going to happen if we just kept on doing it? Our job is just to simply observe that it's happening and go, yeah, that's happening. And then to move on. This is the problem with our big, stupid human brain is that we ask why. My, my, uh, uh, my, my dog does not ask why. She is a mindfulness master. She's in the moment all the time. I wish I could be more like her. She is just present. Whether there is some, whether whether she's going to go to the vet later today or not, she doesn't know. She's just present with what she's doing right there and then. Couldn't we all learn a little bit from that? This is a weird example. I don't know why I'm going with this example, but you know what, Jasmine? Here we are. In that moment that you're doing that exposure, instead of trying to predict what's going to happen, stay with what is happening. Right now, in that moment, you felt physical arousal, and you're having a thought that you might orgasm. Okay? In that moment, that's all that's happening. The physical arousal and the thought about orgasm. Remember, the thought about orgasm is not the same as an orgasm, right? I'll say fortunately and unfortunately. I don't know which one. I guess it depends on the context. But in this context, I think you'd say, fortunately, they're not the same. And you know what? They are not the same. An orgasm is an orgasm. A, not orga- a thought about an orgasm is not an orgasm. I, I, for all of you out there who are doing the drinking game to this episode, uh, count how many times I say orgasm. You have to drink every time I say orgasm. Um, so, Jasmine, I hope that helped. I hope this, this answer is helping to, to give you permission to, instead of trying to draw conclusion from this, but instead to know that, yes, you could have really strong feelings and they're okay. And that whether or not you're going to have an orgasm during ERP, I don't know. But you know what, Jasmine? That's future use problem. When and if you orgasm during ERP, well, then you will have. And you will, you will in that moment also say, huh, interesting, I had an orgasm and resist all urges to provide reason or evidence or justification or prediction of what that means about you and your sexuality and your character and your future. Nothing happened. Well, what else is going to happen today? What else do I want to do? What else do you want to do? Maybe that happens and you go watch TV. Maybe it happens and you go do a, a New Year's Eve celebration. I don't know. It's there. And then move on. That's your job. So, Jasmine, again, I hope this was helpful. And thank you so much for the question. All right, everybody, we made it through that episode. So, um, if you have questions similar to these or have follow-up for it, feel free to shoot me the email. And I'll tell you what, if I completely messed up the arousal non-concordance discussion, I apologize. And if you would like to be, if you are an expert in, in arousal non-concordance and would like to be on to clarify my ridiculousness, feel free to shoot me an email over at fearcastpodcast.com. And if you have a question about this, uh, go over to fearcastpodcast.com and send me a message over there. Um, I... Uh, Again, I want to remind you all that you can find me over at Fearcast Podcast at Instagram, and you can also uh, wherever you get your podcasts. It would be it would be uh, really appreciated if you could write a review, give me a, give me five stars, whatever the star thumbs up system is, and, uh, and and write a review. Ultimately, it helps others to find the podcast, and hopefully, you have found this episode helpful and other episodes helpful too. 
So, um, please remember, everybody, that the FearCast is not substitute for psychotherapy. If you need help with your treatment, go to fearcastpodcast.com. You can click on the Find Help link, and there's going to be some stuff there that will be helpful for you in your recovery. All right, everybody, until next time, take a risk, challenge yourself, and don't take your brain too seriously. Bye. Bye.